Happy New Year. Blog Talk Radio. Terror, your weekly episodic horror movie adventure with me, your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, and I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, everybody. It is good to be back. Welcome back, indeed. And as a matter of fact, this isn't only the Ghoul's pick for tonight, but it's a fan pick, of all things. So thank you, Jennifer, on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Talking Terror. And tonight we're going to be talking about 2002's Resident Evil, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. So stay tuned um, later on in the show when we talk about that. But we're also joined by the psychotic simium himself, the Mad Monkey. Hey there, Fright fans. This is your maniacal Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live, as always, from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, here by my lovely co-host, the Talking Terror Crew. Hi, Monkey. Hi, Goose. It's great to have you back, Goose. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Monkey. How you doing, Mama Monkey? <laughs> Ooh, Mama Monkey. Oh, everybody locked up in cages. It's all kinds of weird over here. <laughs> Remember the safety words. <laughs> Watch out for that T-virus, Monkey. You're in that laboratory. Uh, it could be anywhere. You never know. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I know. Nurse Johnson's been chasing my ass all around the lab with a weird ass looking vial with some blue squiggly shit in it. And I don't trust that shit for the motherfucker. Because I've seen tonight. Do not take it. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> Rectal <laughs> insertion only. <laughs> By butt shoot only. I got it. I, I got a stamp around my asshole that says, you know, no entry, you know, exit only, but no, nah, the rules don't seem to apply in the lab. But anyway, moving on. It's all about the, it's all about yes. the boof, dude. You got to boof it. <laughs> the mighty I thought boof. she was cute. I thought she was cute in Teen Wolf, but I don't think that's the same boof. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. Um, <laughs> Could we are we're not joined by the movie. Uh, <laughs> Doing a devil's yeah. triangle into the teen wolf. <laughs> Ooh. Exciting. <laughs> we are not joined by the doc tonight. He had previous obligations. So we do have horror news for you before we kick off the movie as usual. I always try to kick in a little bit overdrive before that. But so uh boys first before we get into the big one that I want to talk about tonight, uh Mandalorian. Where are you guys yes. at? Are you still enjoying it? Baby Yoda and all his little adventures? Uh, have you had a chance to watch Chapter 5, Ghoul? Of course, man. I've been, uh, I've been keeping up with it, dude. There's, there's few things that I uh, am making sure to be watching, like, day of or day right after, and The Mandalorian is one of them. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm still digging the ride. It's like, you know, but uh, again, spoilers here, folks, because we're going to go into it. Um, yeah, Ghoul, I, I was laughing my ass off with this episode, man, because you and I talked when, you know, episode one came out. You know, what, what was the one thing we said we didn't want him to do with this show? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. And as soon as... And as soon as he said that coordinates for Mos Eisley Spaceport, I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Really? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I looked at it this way, right? Okay, like, obviously, okay, they're going to end up in Tatooine at some point or another. It happens. Fine. And then I'm like, wow, you know what? When you really think about it, all we've seen ever in environments in the Star Wars universe are forests or deserts. Forests or deserts. Oh, and one But there is an exception here, and this is why I really, really like Rogue One so much, is because this is the first time we got to see a tropical slash beach setting ever in a Star Wars movie. And I was really mm-hmm. excited when they went there with Rogue One. Because I was like, oh my god, they went somewhere different. <laughs> Yes, which again the other the other planet that I liked that we saw and that was the one that the uh, that the father and them were hiding on originally, which was like a craggy rock planet of sorts with a weird yeah. like mistiness about it. Uh, yeah, yeah no, I thought it, Rogue One did a good job of uh, of showing us some different types of locales. Um, uh-huh. But again, listen, man, this is fun. We got Baby Yoda. The damn thing's walking around. It's cute as hell. It's crying. It's not crying. Yeah. It's getting rocked to sleep. It's hanging out with weird old ladies in junkyard space stations. I was waiting for Otto <laughs> to come flying out, man. <laughs> hey, what's up here? You got a little thing. It's so cute. Oh, I buy it from you. <laughs> oh, a Nubian. Yeah, a Nubian. I've got a Nubian. I like a Nubian. Nubians are good. I like them. How much for the little girl? The little girl. How much for the little girl? No. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just I was enjoying the episode, uh, enjoying where they're going, and um, this episode I was impressed with because of how small the cast was of the episode. It's like there there were only I think six actors in this episode total, you know, <laughs> and. It, and they're able Which to still put knows, together. Which everybody knows, Monkey hates a small ensemble cast. He likes the cast. <laughs> he likes cast of thousands. Yes, yes. He likes the, like the flocks that you know come and worship you. You know, I, I, I like cast that size. But you know, I was, But again, uh, you know, I'm enjoying that they're able to have because episode, I mean, chapter four had a pretty good size cast, and then. This one, they narrowed it back down to six, and they're still being able to give really solid storytelling. And I'm really enjoying the ride. Well, I think we're starting to see the pattern, though. You know what I mean? Like, again, we've had him team up with somebody. Um, In the one case, that team up worked out, you know, in in Chapter 4. In this case, the team up did not work out. Like, you know, but you can see that coming a mile away. Um, oh yeah, you know I, I knew at some point that was going to turn around and bite him in the ass. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they reinsert Ming Na back into this storyline because her character was very interesting. Yeah, and I think they're definitely going to do it just because I was doing some research, and uh, we are going to have to wait until I believe it is May of next year where they are going to release a line of Mandalorian figures. 
and she, uh, so we're gonna have to wait that long to get a Baby Yoda toy <laughs> because Pop is gonna be putting out Baby Yoda then. Mm-hmm. But they are gonna be releasing a, a um, toy line for the Mandalorian then, and she is one of the figures that are gonna is gonna be in the set. Well, of course, because come on, we all know that toys are what really does it for the Star Wars universe. I no longer collect no. anything because I just don't have that kind of money. But, you know, I know everybody was, was chomping at the bit and getting mad at Disney and saying, oh, Disney screwed up. How could they not have toys of this baby Yoda out, this and that? Like, all oh, this needed to be ready for the holidays. No. You know what Disney has done well for a really long time? They like to make you wait and think about it. They want you to want it. They really want you to want it. This way, when you buy it, you're going to spend just exorbitant amounts of money on these things. I also think, though, storyline-wise, that ultimately where this is going to lead to is bringing said baby Yoda to some location where he's going to be reunited with others of his species. So I don't think baby Yoda is going to be the only one that we see of this species by by the time this is over. So I think that's why we're also not going to get any toys on him yet, because I think by the time this happens, it's going to be like the fucking gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, but that's the other interesting thing is because Yoda's species, who if you still go to Wookapedia.com, you know, Yoda has never had his species spelled out in the Star Wars universe. It's just Not Yoda. even in the expanded and, stuff. Yeah, it's just Yoda and Yaddle, you know, but they have never actually designated a name to the species. So we'll see how this goes. You know, we might actually be able to see, like, a whole be, planet of where Yoda comes from. They could be green ones, they could be white ones, pink ones, blue ones. Just think about the possibilities here of what they could be selling. <laughs> they could be selling Yoda-like creatures with Fu Manchu beards. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to end up coming out of this. There's going to be paratrooper yeah. Yodas, there's going to be ninja Yodas. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Yodas. <laughs> On some Yoda planet, that happened. (laughs) You want to really laugh, man, check out on, uh, if you get a chance, on YouTube. You know, they have these scientifically accurate cartoons from, like, this show back on Fox back in the day, ADHD. Um, Funny stuff. They have scientifically accurate mutant ninja turtles. It is really funny and really gross all at the same time. But there's an entire line of these cartoons that it's just a lot of fun. Sweet, <laughs> but yeah, just, again, you know, <laughs> but yeah, still enjoying the ride, still having a great time, and just you know, every week, excitedly looking forward to where the story's going to take us. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I've been enjoying all the Disney Plus stuff. You know, my my only my only sadness at this point is that it's all kind of wrapping up right now. Um, we've got three more what you, episodes. What do you mean? Well, we got three more episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, I've been also watching Encore, which is a show on Disney Plus where they take casts from like old high school plays, like back like like in one episode they took this a bunch of people from a, who did a play in 1992 of Greece or whatever it was, and they bring them back today, give them one week with some like real. Broadway type people and a little bit of production and then put them back on stage again to redo the play leading to some very funny performances and and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm really digging the show. Um, Mm. 
there's three more episodes of that, mm. and then there's only three more episodes of uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series. So, and then after that, we actually don't have anything on their original content until uh, until like March or so, and that's just the second se- uh, of the last season of uh, mm. the next season of Clone mm. Wars. But you'll still have all of the vault material and stuff there hanging out in Disney Plus, right? Yes, yeah, all of that stuff hangs around, but what I mean is like any of this original content, any of the Star Wars original right. stuff, um, none. there's going to be no Marvel series coming until November, um, at which point we'll get uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Oh, okay. All it's right. gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a lonely couple of months, man. I tell you that, you know, like hitting the vault and hitting all the movies and all that stuff as they're coming out is all fine and dandy. But I think most of us Marvel fans already own all of the Marvel movies in some form or another. Yeah. So like them holding on to, I don't know, whatever films are not like I think they just released like Thor Ragnarok because of whatever deals that they've had with other companies and whatnot. But like other films that aren't released on there yet, we already have them anyway. So it's not like I can't just pop on my Xbox and watch any of them. Same thing for the Star Wars mm-hmm. movie movies. Um, hitting the cartoons is great and all, and some of the old movies and everything. But the reality is, is what I really want is I want original content. I want these series, man. So. I am a little bit, uh, I have to say, I'm a little bit disappointed that they don't have this a little more fleshed out for this next couple of months because nothing new. Right. Okay. So, uh, moving away from Disney Plus uh, and into horror news. Unfortunately, we are not joined by the doc this week, but King, hey, you got a couple things you want to definitely want to talk about, don't you? Well, I do. But since you guys dished about Mandalorian for a little bit, I wanted to quickly say for those of you who have the DC streaming service, if you're keeping up with Harley Quinn, the animated series, episode two dropped last Friday, so much better than the first one. It is over the top. It's vulgar. It's funny. It's violent. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at 30 minutes of a cartoon in such a long time. The way that they're handling the characters like Bane, using the Tom Hardy voice for Bane, but he looks like in the comic books with all his tubes and everything sticking out of him. And him going to Quiz Night and Gotham. I just, I do. But I love this one. Just seeing Bane eating chicken wings through the mask and trying to answer trivia questions about Gotham, the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And Joker trying to rebuild his uh, playhouse and talking to contractors and arguing with them about area and space. (laughs) It's just amazing. Well, also on the DC front... I do have to say, I, uh, I I haven't been keeping up with all of the TV series. I don't know. Like, I, I just couldn't do it after there was, you know, four different television series on three different nights and all. I don't know. Whatever. I just got confuddled with all of it. But it just started Crisis on Infinite Earths on the yep, Arrowverse DC series. And I have watched the first two episodes of that. Um, and I need to dive into the third one of The Flash, which was last night's episode. It has been fantastic so far. Uh, yeah. It's good to see that DC's TV series are still knocking it out of the park. Completely agree. So uh, getting into the horror side of things, let's talk about the big elephant in the room, Ghostbusters Afterlife. The trailer dropped on Monday for the new Jason Reitman film coming out next year. Uh, we find out through the trailer that we're going to be following Egon Spengler's daughter, 
moving her children to the farmhouse that Egon once owned at one time. And what they discover there are the proton packs, the traps, and most importantly, the Ecto-1. I loved it. I didn't think it was going to be as long as it was. But before I really get into it with you guys, I wanted to get your guys' perspective on what you felt, and then I want to give some of mine, and we're going to talk about this. So, uh, first, Ghoul, what did you think about Ghostbusters Afterlife, that first trailer? I mean, listen, you know, it's uh, it's not a film that I had a lot of high hopes for to begin with. I'm not going to shit all over the trailer because it's a trailer. You know, it's, it's showing little bits and pieces of what they want to do and how they're going to go about it. Um, I do feel like this is one of those where... <sighs> okay, have they actually... Okay, see that okay, here's my problem, okay? Here's the stickler and you guys know it. You said it, Monkey, you said it as well. We all know who yeah. owned a fucking farmhouse in the Ghostbusters films. And that was Ray. That that farmhouse yep. had been in his family for years, you know? And you know, what did mm-hmm. we get for that? Oh well, everybody's got two or three mortgages these days. We got classic lines because of that damn farmhouse. So that being said, yeah. this farmhouse makes no sense whatsoever. What I'm hoping though is this. There is no actual if you look up the casts and whatnot, I haven't seen anything that says that they're Spanglers. So it is possible that maybe this is Ray's family. And maybe it's just that the uniforms are down there and they just happen to focus on seeing the Spangler uniform. True. But she's got the glasses. There's everything that's saying she is a Spangler. Um, right. I know a lot of people are complaining that it seems like it's too kidified and it's going to be all the kids and all this and that, but that doesn't surprise me. That's what all I've heard about this thing from the start. When right. you're telling me, you know, from the very beginning of, of everything on this movie that your, your first people that you're talking about casting are kids, well, that kind of tells you it's a children's film or at least a film that's going to center itself around children. I'm fine with that. I don't mind it. I just hope that it stays... True to the Ghostbusters universe, because it's obviously not going to stay true to the feel of that original Ghostbusters team. Right. No, no, you're not going to be able to do that, man. It's just that, you know, they they were chain smoking, they were drinking all the time. You're not going to be able to have that kind of humor in this movie at all. And, you know, in the trailer, it's like we're seeing those bits here and there. Um, I've already heard people like that have uh, seen it, you know, reviewed the trailer and shit like that, and already shitting all over it, talking about it's not, you know, it's not. Yeah, well, well, we're doing it. Well, we're doing it right now. Also, but, um, but uh, you know, like a lot of them were sitting there going, it doesn't have to feel of Ghostbusters. It's yeah, true. Sorry. Um, you know, it's it's you know, I'm hearing shit about it's. It's not Ghostbusters. It's more like Stranger Things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course you're going to think it's like Stranger Things because Finn Wolfhard did the damn thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, you well, know. Well, come on. There was a movie that came out in the 80s that really Super reminded 80. me of Stranger yeah. Things, and that was, uh, that was Explorers. You know, that really yeah. reminded me of Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know how they yeah. went back in time after seeing Stranger Things and went and made Explorers, but somehow it happened. You know, another film that did that was Goonies. You know, that totally reminded me of Stranger Things. Who could have ever thought that there might have been films at one time being made that had casts of kids in them? 
Well, and and that was the thing that I, you know, we talked about before, and we'll talk about again over and over. Is that's what made movies from the '80s so great was that they were able to center around children as the heroes and the ones who were able to get things done. You know, like you said, you know, Goonies, Monster Squad, Explorers, all of them. But you know, hopefully, they're going to tap into this, and it's good, like that kind of vein. And it's going to be the adults who are all in speculation of what's really going on, and it's going to be up to the kids to get things done. And hopefully right. they don't and, get all and, over it. <laughs> well, and, and going a little bit deeper into the trailer, uh, what I got from a feel, I mean, aside from the little fucking kid in me being so fucking excited to see the Ecto-1 roaring back to life, and these kids driving it and blasting the proton packs through the city as Slimers flying around, you also get to see the return of the Terror Dogs. From the first one, the mining company that they show briefly in the trailer is named the Shandor Mining Company. So that brings me back to Ghostbusters 84 with Evo Shandor, the one that was part of the building that Dana Barrett lived in. But to me, it seems like they're ignoring part two and just focusing on the first one. I'm happy with that. I love the Bill Murray uh, voiceover from the first movie. Talk about fate, talk about karma. You know, it just it sent those little fucking chills up my spine. Like, this is going to be good. I want it to be good. It was like I talked about last week. It's a little taste of what we're going to get, but I liked what they'd shown. Like, the reveal of the Ecto-1 mm. finally. That's, but again, like the ghoul had said, whose fucking farmhouse really is this? Is this Egon's or is it Ray's? Because why would Egon have the Ecto-1? That was Ray's baby. That was his. That yeah. was his car. Why would he have any interest in doing it? Well, and again, the though, if they're right. going along the oh, lines ahead, of go. them Sorry. all retiring and everything, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Did they retire? Did they retire in shame? How did things end yeah. with the Ghostbusters? You know, we don't know. So I guess uh, I'm hoping that this film gives us a a clear and proper and respectful ending to our beloved characters while introducing this world of new characters as well. Um, One thing that I did notice is that the name of the town, which is interesting, is Somerville. Um, The only reason why I would say that that's interesting is one of the things that that they had going on was Sumerian. And I'm wondering if that's a connection. And that would make sense why Egon, knowing the kind of history that he knows and all the things that he looks into, perhaps he bought this farmhouse in that location because of some other reason. That could be it too. Uh, What were you going to say, Monkey? Your thought? I'm just going to say, stay away from the circle. Don't go near the Somerville circle, especially on a Friday night when everybody's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Monkey. No, I was just going to – I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead, continue, please. The other thing that I really kind of enjoyed in the trailer is when they have the Ecto-1 and the door opens up and you have a gunner seat. And they're like, oh, my God, a gunner seat. This is the one thing that cracked me up about the Internet. I love the fucking Internet. People going fucking crazy about this gunner seat. The Ecto-1 never had a gunner seat, dude. In 84, they never had one. No, they're tapping into the real Ghostbusters cartoon because those toys back in the 80s yeah. – the Ecto One had a gunner seat, so that's what they're yes, doing for this movie. <laughs> the they're paying fan service. Yeah, had a gunner seat. I didn't mind it at all. I didn't see that and go, "That's not real Ghostbusters from '84." That they never had. No, I was just having fun. Like these are kids. Drive, that's what I would want to do if I was a kid. And I found all this Ghostbusters shit. I'd be like, "Let's go have fun." 
And on top of that, it's like, um, how much are they going to tap into possibly the real Ghostbusters? Because I was kind of hoping if, you know, if this is going to be Egon's family, you know, I was kind of hoping that maybe Andy Potts' character was going to be the grandma in this movie. You know, and maybe. she ended up marrying Egon. That'd be interesting. You know? Uh, that, that's Especially if they ignore for. part two. Yeah. If they ignore yeah, part they two, ignore part then it's two. a possibility. Well, again, because they though, don't make any room that. They're not going to ignore even, part two because everything they're talking about with this is that it's a sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. See, I thought it was a legacy sequel, judging by the trailer. But they're not going to do like a Ghostbusters 3. It's a legacy sequel where it's like we're spinning off from that first movie and we're just going to go with the kids. But I could be wrong. You know, like Gould said, you know, they could be doing Ghostbusters 1 and 2. But I feel weird how they could put Ghostbusters 2 into that too because I'd rather see – the Ghostbusters, like the Gullet said, how do they end up after 84? After the whole New York City thing with Stay Puff, were they shamed out of the fucking city where they couldn't stay there anymore and they had to retire and they had to leave and that's why Egon had this farmhouse? They all kind of just disbanded and went their own ways? I mean, there's a lot of ways to spin it. Yeah. yeah, and what I'm just really, really curious, though, is how they're going to work all, all of those cameos of the original cast into this film. Like, because... Do we, do you know, guys, if they are actually cast as their original characters? That's what I've been told. Seeing all the internet articles that they are returning as their characters, okay. including Bill Murray as Peter Venkman. So, okay, they so, are returning so in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right here in the cast list, and it has you know all of them as their original characters, including Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts. Okay. So there you go. Um, because it will be interesting to see if this is what happens in the movie, is that the apocalypse is brought forth for some reason in this Midwestern town of the, you know, Sumerian descent, perhaps, and that's what brings them back together. They see it on the news, they see what's mm-hmm. happening, and they're coming back to where Egon's mm-hmm. farmhouse is because they know where it is, and they're going to be trying to help mm-hmm. these kids. And then, then they're going to have like to break out. It could be like a case of Buffy, you know what I mean? It could just be where it's like the Hellmouth, <laughs> and, and basically this yeah. is going to be the portal in which all these these nightmarish things actually come up and through. Yeah, could we see the return of Ghost yeah. of the Gozarian? Which I would love to see come back. <laughs> you have to but, choose but a Gozer form of your destructor. <laughs> but Gozer was defeated. And though I thought it was cute though that they actually brought Slimer back. So then again tapping into Loved the it. Ghostbusters and, and stuff like that. Everybody I was, like, loves I was Slimer. Thinking, but I was thinking, yeah, are they horrible. gonna are they gonna tap into the real the real Ghostbusters cartoon and have Slimer as possibly another um part of the team like he was no. on the cartoon? No, no, I would hate that. No. <laughs> I think worst case scenario, you get him as comic relief like you did in part two, in which he's not as malevolent as the other spirits and kind of, you know, interacts, but is not one of the ones that they're like just purposefully going after all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not evil, but he's just always there. <laughs> you know, one of those type of characters. Um, I just, I, I can't wait for the movie. Like She's that first trailer just had me hooked. You know, yeah. So that first trailer had me hooked. I just can't wait. I know a lot of the fans online are like, oh, this movie's going to suck. I was like, give it a chance. It's the first trailer. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. the first look. You can't just fucking bitch right now yeah. about it. But, you know, it's the internet. Yeah. People want to do what they want to do. If you we were do. all willing to give the last Ghostbusters movie a chance, then you're, you ought to give this one a chance. <laughs> well, yeah. 
I mean, and speaking of that, Paul Feige, the director of 2016's Ghostbusters, uh, did go on to Twitter, and he said that he can't wait for this one. It looks like it's going to be great, uh, and his hashtag is, we are all Ghostbusters. So it's not like he's like, well, fuck this movie. Nobody went to go see mine. <laughs> he's just <laughs> taking it in stride and saying, you know what? I like it. Can't wait. Jason Reitman, congratulations. Let's see what you got. You know, it's not like he's saying, yeah, no, everybody, you didn't go see mine, so why the fuck should you see this one? Classy act, if you ask me from Paul Feige. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, so, now, I'm, wasn't Jason Reitman the one that got in a bunch of trouble? No, that was John Lansdowne's oh, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. All right. Yeah, that was the, the American Werewolf in London, John Landis' son. Oh. No, Jason oh, Redman's okay. fine. So for right now, he's fine. <laughs> it's, nothing is going on with Jason Redman that I know of. So hopefully nothing pops up all of a sudden where it's like, oh, wow, he did some really bad shit. <laughs> you know, but, no, so that's just uh, Landis' son. Um, so but, moving on from oh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Hold on. Had the last word. No, I, I... – uh, I just wanted to sit there and reiterate, um, do we have a final release date for this movie? July 2020. Okay, thank you. July 10th, it's 2020. July 10th to be exact, yes. It'll be a summer release, so stay tuned July 2020. And we're definitely going to be getting more trailers and stills, I'm sure, from the movie to get us excited even more. Because this is just the first one. I'm sure we're going to get a final one closer to July. Um, so we'll see what they come up with. Hashtag um, <laughs> I hope so. I am fucking hoping they bring back that nectar of the gods. Oh, they'll <laughs> be bringing that bring back. back. Come on now. They brought yeah, it back to 2016. Bring it back for this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, moving on from Ghostbusters Afterlife to Kevin Bacon. Uh, he had actually <laughs> sat down for an interview where he had talked about that failed Tremors pilot that he had done for sci-fi in which they had passed on. And he went, in his interview, he basically said that that character of Valentine McKee from 1993's Tremors is a character that he always wanted to revisit. And all of his characters that he's ever played, that was one of the characters that he always wanted to go back and do something with. So he's still holding out hope that he could do something with Tremors, a series, or even a movie, and have his character show up at a certain point, because he would love to see that character back. I, I, you know, man, like, listen, I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump in on this one, Monkey, but I, I, I call bullshit yeah, on cool. that one. Maybe now he wants to come back and do that character or whatever because of all, you know, people mm-hmm. going back and doing these nostalgic pieces and all this and that, and, you know, it's developed such a cult following over the years. But you think that at any point during any of the other Tremors sequels, they didn't turn around and say, hey, Kevin Bacon, you want to come back as Val? And he was like, oh, gee, Willikers, I would really love to do it, but you know what? I'm busy making, like, you know, ten other films this year that I'm going to make fucking five thousand, hundred thousand percent more money on that than any of these films. I mean, they always come down to money. They were not choking up the cash that Kevin Bacon demanded at that time that he was becoming a huge star. No. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. No, I agree one hundred percent with the ghoul, man. I call bullshit on that one because, again, all the sequels that they did, and yeah, Bacon didn't come back for any of them. Yeah, I just think that's fuck shit. Yeah, it's like you said, it all comes down to money. I mean, Fred Ward returned for part two. I was, you know, he I was, was just about to say, he, Fred money. Ward came back, man. <laughs> yeah, money was good for him. He didn't care. He's like, sure, I'll do it. Sequel, why not? <laughs> you know, let's do this yeah. thing. <laughs> it's more than I got for Remo Williams. 
<laughs> now, Fred Ward, man, I love him in that, and I love I love him in Trevor's, and I love him in that uh, that Baldwin film, man, Miami, whatever it was. Uh, oh, yep, of course. Mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, of course. Oh, Miami Trevor Rhapsody. Is that is that what yeah. it is? With, uh, I forget if it was William or Steve. It definitely wasn't Stephen. Um, no, it was uh, yeah. What was it? Billy Baldwin? Might have been Billy Baldwin. I know which one you're talking about. To me, it's always Road Trip with Fred Wharton. You know, either that or Tremor. He's <laughs> <laughs> the father of Road Trip. No, but... Uh, I'm not mad. <laughs> no, no, but, like, of his, my favorite one was... Miami one Blues. Where, um, there we go. I saw that in theater. Okay. That, that, was, that was a fun, messed up ride. No, but seriously, the best movie he did was one called Time Rider, The Adventure of okay. Lyle Swan. All right? Where it's this dude... On a motorcycle, he's you know, like, you know he's riding around on a motorcycle and travels back in time, and somehow ends up in the old west <laughs> with his motorcycle, <laughs> doing old west west shit with his motorcycle and whatnot, and meets this hot chick or whatever, and messes around with her and stuff like that, and um, like you you just gotta see it for the messed up like inbreeding thing that happens. It's like because somehow he becomes his own. Well, like, he ends up becoming end. his own great grandfather or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, That's he, he fucks his great grandma. <laughs> but it's such a great horrible like eighties one of these sci-fi movies. It's so egg, awesome. You know what I mean? That's the thing. His his genetic line may never have established had he not traveled back in time in the first place to have. You know, mated with his great grandmother or great great grandmother or whatever it was. So yeah, who knows? Is, which, you know, that's, that's the thing. Once time travel which, becomes which, a thing, it throws it all off. <laughs> so who came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> which came first, the chicken or Fred Ward? <laughs> Fred Ward always <laughs> for the win. <laughs> He'll always do a movie. <laughs> oh, you don't I, have to ask I, him to. His character in Miami Blues, which, yeah, was so messed up, man. That whole movie was messed up. It was uh, oh, very yeah. much in the same vein of, like, true romance in a lot of ways, you know, just not with the same kind mm, of writing. Yeah. But his character, if I remember right, he had, like, wooden teeth or something, or he had just gotten his dentures done. So, like, the entire film, that was, like, his main focus going through it as well. Yeah, and it's just the the ball one kept losing body parts and throwing them back on throughout the entire movie. It was just uh-huh. <laughs> like it's okay, just just throw it back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lupita Nyong'o of Us, Jordan Peele's movie Us, she sat down to do an interview, and the interviewer asked her, "Is there a possibility we could ever see an Us too?" And she said, "Never. Red is dead. Let's move on." <laughs> so it's finally somebody <laughs> saying, "You know what?" It made a lot of money. A lot of people like it, but fuck the sequel. Not doing it. So if Jordan Peele wants to do one, she's not going to be in it. So I was actually kind of glad to see her say no, no, because it doesn't need it. It doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't need no. a franchise. It's a standalone movie. It's good for what it is. Move on. I agree. Well, I agree. Again, the, movie, the movie was made. It told its story. It doesn't need to continue. Nope. Not, but, not but yeah, I know that. where you're going, Ghoul. <laughs> well, what, well uh, 
to you now. Now I want to know. I want to know what you were going to say, where I was going to go. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you're going to say, if the money's there and the studio says we want to do it, you know, there's going to be a sequel. You know, if the studio's willing to put the money out there, then this, it's going to get made. No, I wasn't going to actually say okay. that this time. <laughs> what I was going to actually say is Jordan Peele doesn't strike me as a sequel type of person no. as much as he may make this a shared universe type of person. So whereas you might not get a sequel proper, it doesn't mean you'll never see the characters again or you'll never see the theme of whatever was going on within this film again. Somehow it'll bleed over into something else and they'll all connect. That would be cool. Just a little bit here and there. Like, like just in the background walking around, you see some people in the red suit just walking around in another one yeah. of his movies. It's a peel universe. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> yeah, at this time, it could be a bunch of white people. And, you know, you'll look at them and you'll know, oh, my God, those are people from Get Out that have now been, you know, sewn into black people, but they're actually into the other people from the red side of things. Yeah. Wow. Tying it all together. <laughs> so, Deep, right? Yeah, I mean, crazy. I, it's so <laughs> I agree with the ghoul. Like, you know, a shared universe would be fun. Um, what, what else do I want to talk about? Okay, so Mike Flanagan, uh, not a director that I like, but he Your did do Dr. Sleep. <laughs> no, sorry. Never going to happen. But he did do Dr. Sleep. It did not perform very well at the box office, of course. But he is still hanging on to this universe of The Shining. He loves it, wants to stay there. Uh, I had reported not that long ago that he wanted to do a Dick Holleran spinoff movie featuring uh, Alan Lumley, who played Holleran in Dr. Sleep. Now he's talking about how he wants to do a Dr. Sleep 2 that focuses on the team protagonist of Abra in the movie, and he thinks that there's a lot more story to tell with that character. He talked to Stephen King about it, and Stephen King said, you know what, I never thought about it, but maybe. I don't think it's possible. With what happened with Dr. Sleep, uh, he could stay in that universe, but I think he needs to move on. Close that chapter, get another project. Stephen King's probably like, well, how much money is it? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What are we talking about? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, I'm still in the middle of uh, reading Dr. Sleep. Um, it's a good book. But I saw the movie, and I enjoyed the movie greatly. Mm-hmm. I think that I absolutely know where you can take the character of Abra. I mean, there's, there's no reason to not move on with her. Um, it depends on what happens to her, I guess, at the end of the book. But as we saw with certain things that he did with the movie versus, you know, what we've seen Stephen King do with the book of The Shining, we know that they are, they can always fudge things if they need to. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think if Stephen King feels like writing another book that, you know, takes place in the universe of The Shining, then, then he'll do so because all of his universes are connected anyway by the Dark Tower. Well, and he had said the whole reason that he did Dr. Sleep was because people kept asking him about Danny Torrance. Like, where is that character now? Like, where is he in your head? And that got him thinking, and that's what made Dr. Sleep. So he said basically the same thing to Mike Flanagan. Maybe some people are going to be wondering what happened to Abra, you know, and Dr. Sleep, and wondering what happens to her next. Uh, You know, it didn't do well, so we could possibly see it. But, Ghoul, you had actually said before the show that there was a Collider interview or an article that talked about Dr. Sleep and uh, the sequel that I'm still laughing about, thinking about. Yeah, I, you just got to love when they when they do things like that. I, uh, 
You know, I'm sorry. You know, see, of course, you know, you, you could have told me you were going to bring it up. I would have it ready to go. But see, instead, I don't, man. And the alternate universe where people actually like Dr. Sleep, you're going to get sequels. <laughs> it basically is, is essentially what it was. But, yeah, it's it's sarcastic reviewing, which I, I do enjoy. I, I like a little bit of sarcasm yeah, here and there. You know, so, all right, here we go. So, and then oh, here, here's how this one goes from Collider. Uh, this was written, I guess, four weeks ago by Adam Chitwood. Hello, Chitwood. Sounds like a villain in, like, so like in the King's <laughs> universe or something, you know. It's Chitwood. Yeah, somebody would call him Shock the Chitwood team. Um, <laughs> but uh, in an alternate universe where people actually showed up to see Dr. Sleep in theaters, fans are enthused about the news that a further sequel is on the way. You know, so obviously out there somewhere, there is an alternate universe in which Dr. Sleep did, did very well. Um, it just wasn't in this one. Which is a shame because, as I said, you know, I thought the movie was great. I thought the performances were fantastic, and they kept the attention of a 15-year-old who is your typical 15-year-old who doesn't like anything in this in this world most of the time. And again, we we talked about that about Doctor Sleep and versus It Chapter Two, and whether that had something to do with it. That after It Chapter Two didn't do very well, so maybe it's like the decline of Stephen King movies where it's like you just needed to have that kind of nail in the coffin. But I don't know. I mean, I just – I don't know why it didn't do well, because I was excited for it. I mean, I still haven't seen it, but I was like, okay, I'll give Mike Flanagan it a chance. I like the trailers. I like them going back to that shiny universe. But see, you said it all right there, though. You know, you you were excited about it, but you didn't go see it. And I'm sure a lot no, of people nope. felt that way, where it's like, eh, you know what? I'll wait for it to come out on digital that's or what DVD or whatever. <laughs> so, and that's what I'm waiting for. Um, but the hits keep coming for Stephen King because it was announced just today that Alex Ross Perry, who directed a movie with Elizabeth Moss from us called Her Smell, he's going to be directing a Dark Half remake for MGM. That was based on the 1993 George A. Romero film of the same name, starring Timothy Hutton and Michael Rooker, everybody's favorite. Um, I don't see the point in doing (laughs) another movie based on the dark half because I didn't like it back then. I don't know if I'm going to like a remake now, even though George Romero did it. It's just, it's not a good movie. Um, It's just, it's a slow burn of a movie. It's not that great. It's Stephen King, but him doing the whole dual personalities, being authors, so I was kind of surprised when I heard that they're going to be doing a remake of The Dark Half out of all the movies that they're, they're going to be doing remakes of. They're just grabbing titles now, man. They're just grabbing properties and trying to turn them into movies. It's, again, like, you know, while the fire's still burning a little bit, you know, it's died down some, but it's still there. So there's, you know, again, it's like the 90s also over again of just grabbing Stephen King properties and turning them into movies. They should not be focusing on making them into movies. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a lot of these things just all ending up on Netflix. Um, you know, yeah. again, with Netflix, I, I'd be okay with that. The, whole, the whole Disney thing, um, you know, and the Marvel thing, they're going to be grasping for content. You know, just like all of these streaming services, they all want original content. They all want something that they can call their own that – you know, people are going to come and get. So if you're a big Stephen King fan, hey, this is where you come to get your Stephen King. You know, Shudder would be another smart person to, to, to get yeah. involved with that kind of thing. Um, that, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's like it's 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 like the '80s all over again, or like the the, the late '80s, early '90s, where every single oh, yeah. Stephen early King 90s. thing seems to get options to put out there. <laughs> there was never a moment when you weren't seeing something coming out in some way. Hit Chapter yeah. Two and Doctor Sleep, I think, you know, unfortunately, are not, you know, they didn't perform to the expectations. This is now going to hurt that stock, and you know we're going to start seeing lesser King properties. Hopefully, somebody gets a diamond out of that, though. You know, like we'll get a misery out of it somehow. Yeah, but I think you really nailed it, Ghoul. Is that on Netflix you have uh, Gerald's Game, you have 1922, In the Tall Grass, all Stephen King adaptations that are doing well on that streaming service. Why not put the Dark Hat as far as we on know? Netflix? The problem is Netflix I haven't heard any bad information, <laughs> but Netflix doesn't release any information. We don't know how many people have viewed it. We don't know how many people have watched it. We don't know how many people have put it on and shut it off. You know, we don't know. Has it been completed? There's all of these, these, yeah. these little tidbits of info that Netflix never lets anybody know because it just works better. It's kind of like the whole idea of what they've done with Instagram now, where they've changed the like feature to where it doesn't tell you how many likes you have anymore. It just says it was liked by, you know, mm-hmm. this person and others, you know, because this way people don't right. feel mm-hmm. like, oh, not enough people like my stuff or this and that, you know? It's, just, it's so the sensitive Sally oh. shit, man. You know what? I don't know. Mm. I personally love to know this information because I like to know Me what too. is working, what's not working, <laughs> why isn't it working. Yeah, we we like those numbers. So when you go to check out the Talking Terror Facebook page, yeah, when you see an article that you like, make sure to like it so that we know that you liked it. We we the like numbers are there. Numbers. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love Facebook. Share it, like it. You're hurting yeah. our feelings. My sensitive sensibilities, <laughs> my sensitive parts, are really really hurting. Right now, because you guys aren't touching that like button enough. Please touch us. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, like the, like the monkey had said, I love Facebook in that sense. Facebook.com starts talking terror. I'm there every day except for Saturday and Sunday where I take those two days off. But I love seeing the numbers <laughs> pop up. How I'm many people reacted? How many people shared? Facebook owns Instagram. They're just testing this feature on Instagram because they're going to move it to Facebook. Damn it. No. Damn it. <laughs> no. Of course. I like, I like to part, see it. <laughs> this is all part of the incentive so that people don't get upset over, mm-hmm. like, you know, not enough people. Like, you know, oh, somebody sees somebody didn't get a lot of likes, and it's not that that person's feeling gets hurt. It's when somebody else looks at them and, you know, on social media says, ah, jerk off, you only got five likes on your picture when I got 1,422 <laughs> of my cat's boobs. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of stuff that gets people upset, and then they do stupid things. Yes, that's but I terrible. just love I, – I love the numbers on our Tucking Terror page because I love to re- be able to see the reaction. Just to see who's reacting to it, seeing who's sharing it, seeing who's digging our, our stuff. You know, I like that Facebook is actually giving us reactions and showing us who's reacting and, and how many. Um, I just like to have those algorithms. I like to see the numbers yep. you know, and see whether or not we're performing well. Um, so if they take it away, that's going to be devastating to me. <laughs> oh, is this react? Is this going well? Do you guys still like us? Because it just says others. I don't know how many others are there. Are there 500 of you or two of you? Tell me. Facebook, Zuckerberg, where are you? I need help. I think it, as a group page and being that we're the admins of said group, I think we'll be allowed to see the numbers. I just think it's for everybody okay. else that they can't see the numbers. 
Uh, I'm fine with that. Keep it to the admins because I, I still <laughs> like to see the numbers and see if we're well, performing please, well and who's reacting. Please, continue on your totally crazy reaction to the whole thing, which is funny. So please, please. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I just like what's happening. Um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that The Conjuring 3 is coming out next summer right alongside Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife. Yay. But originally, it was touted that The Conjuring movie was going to be about the werewolf of South End, Bill Ramsey. Um, and even Patrick Wilson had said this is going to be a type of monster movie. Stay tuned for more when it comes out. But they released the official title for the movie, and it's going to be called The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So I thought about that, and I said, well, that's not the werewolf case. That's the, the Connecticut case of Arnie Shan yeah. Johnson, who back in the 80s claimed the devil made him kill his landlord. So they went into a complete 360 degree of this film, where it's not going to be about the werewolf anymore. It's going to be about a person that thought he was possessed by the devil and made him kill his landlord. It's a it's fascinating case. It's all a sham. Well, Son of Sam said a lot of things. I mean, including a cult, you know, that was there, including the dog that told him to do things, you know. But Yeah, but the, uh, the whole devil yeah. made me do it thing, that that was part of the, I, I remember you telling me the story. And wasn't this like at the beginning of the whole satanic panic thing in the 80s? Yes. It was it was the first trial to ever use the devil made me do it as, you know, a defense. And they brought in the Warrens and they're like there's spooky shit happening here, guys. Ooh, and they're like, "Oh my god." The Warrens, they're legit. They know what they're talking about. This guy must be insane. <laughs> <laughs> and they made a whole book about it called The Devil in Connecticut, which it's a fun read, but don't take any of it seriously. It's, it's all just bogus shit. But the fact that they're doing <laughs> it and not calling it The Conjuring 3, they're calling it Devil Made Me Do It. I mean, I'm still going to be excited to see it because these movies are popcorn movies for me. They're fun. I don't take them seriously at all. There's nothing factual about them. I, just, I dig the movies for what they are. Just, you know, just escape movies. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm, uh, I'm, I didn't know that, uh, Juan wasn't directing this one, which, you know, I He's not Michael Chavez. Uh, yeah, I'm a little worried on that, because, you know, I, I, I wasn't all okay. that thrilled with, uh, The Curse of La Llorona. I still haven't even finished that movie, because <laughs> it was boring me so badly. Um. It's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, and Adam, I've made it through. The, the films in the Conjuring universe, you know, the, the two Conjuring films are, in my eyes, the best directed of all of the films, even though Annabelle Comes Home is probably my favorite, uh, not Annabelle Comes Home, the uh, Annabelle, uh, the beginning one, whichever one was the, uh, oh, the yeah. origin, okay. um, mm-hmm. is, is my favorite of the series. Um, so, yeah, all right, all right, we'll see what it is, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little disappointed with that, to be honest with you. This is what happens when I don't look into <laughs> I don't, things. I don't mind it, because it's a, it's a cool case. Like, if you ever get a chance to read The Devil in Connecticut, it's a fun read. Um, it's a lot of bogus shit, just like they did with Conjuring 2 with the Enfield Poltergeist, which is completely fucking fabricated, that entire movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, none of that happened. But it's a fun movie. It's a fun little spooky movie that you can watch and, and mm-hmm. still have fun with it. I remember watching it with my parents and like, did that really happen? I'm like, none of this happened. <laughs> they were there for a day. <laughs> they didn't play fucking guitar. They didn't spend Christmas with them. They weren't really nice. They were there for a weekend and they said, nah, we're cool. Nothing's happening here. They didn't do like Kumbaya and all that stuff? No, surprisingly they didn't. <laughs> but for a movie, it works. 
but not for the actual facts. And again, I could put that aside and just see it as a fun movie. I don't have to be like, well, that's not factual what happens. It doesn't matter to me. It's a, if it's fun, I can watch it. And I like Conjuring <laughs> too. Even the whole sham of the Amityville at the beginning, where they're like, oh, what actually happened? There's ghosts in this house. No, there's not. There's no ghosts in the Amityville house. <laughs> it's not haunted. <laughs> Let's get over yourselves. But that was that movie. Um, Todd Phillips' Joker, landing four Golden Globes. Oh Globes. yeah. Best picture, best score, best director, and best performance by an actor for Joaquin Phoenix. That's four, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in for January 2020 when the Golden Globes mm-hmm. premieres. I hope that they bring some home because this would be so huge just to show yeah. that this type of caliber movie could land awards. I think Joaquin is going to is gonna get it. Um, I don't know if it's going to get best picture. I don't know if they'd want to get it. So. I mean, it might get it for the Golden Globes. It's not going to get it for the Oscar. Um, no, no. So I, th- I think Wakim will get it on both uh, on both accounts for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, man, it's a fucking Joker. We did a whole show on it, man. It's a fantastic film. Uh, Hell yeah, we did. That's what I'm going to leave it at, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, see the movie. It's a great fun trip, you know. And yeah, and then uh, you know, tune in to see if horror, you know. Tom Books slash horror is able to make its way into the Golden Globes. <laughs> and this is the piece that I'm going to go out on before we talk about the fan pick for this evening. Uh, Sean Astin sat down for an interview recently where he talked about the Goonies <laughs> and the legacy of the movie. But he also talked about the sequel that he always wanted to have made, The Goonies 2. Goonies but in this, space. he has a funny idea. Not Goonies in space. No, you're almost close. No, he wants to go the Doc <laughs> Brown route and do a time travel movie that would have the Goonies going back into the past to see One-Eyed Willie in his swashbuckling nature battling other pirates in Astoria. That's his idea for the Goonies, too, and he wants to see that get made. What the fuck are you smoking, Sean? Oh, and it turned out that One-Eyed Willie was actually Mikey and Bran's great-great-grandfather and that he was actually (laughs) related to the Walsh's. Mm, it's just a far out idea that I just I was like, oh, Sean, only you could come up with that. <laughs> we well, just want to see Goonies too. Sounds like fun to me. Well, it's it's what it is, is the Go- yeah. Well, the Yo, Goonies come across a uh, they come across a phone booth and <laughs> they accidentally dial a number in the phone booth and end Whoa. up in a story during pirate time. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's funny that you brought up the phone booth thing because I just found out earlier today that John Wick 4 and the new Matrix movie are both coming out on the same day, May 21st, 2021. What? So Keanu what? Reeves is going to be battling himself at the box office. Yeah, that's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, they're planning on having Wachowski, them both released. That's like saying it like the Wachowskis are going to get that movie out on time. You know, that, that's, that's where everybody's, you know, mistaken. Okay, that right there. John Wick 4 will happen. Matrix 4, not so much. It was announced that they're planning on having the release on the same day. I was like, no way is it going to happen, but I would love to see it on the same day. I know. Cameron's about to make, like, five Avatar sequels, too. 
<laughs> no, the goal, the goal uh, has a good point, man, is because they're going to sit there and they think they're done, and then they're going to go back into the editing room and be like, oh, shit, we got to change this, this, and this, and then they're going to think they're done, and then they're going to go to the editing room, and they're going to be like, shit, we need to change this, this, and this, and it's going to keep going over and over, and yeah, we're going to get the next Matrix movie three years from now. <laughs> it's just it would be fun if they did it on the same day John Wick 4 and the Matrix yeah, rebooted series um, but last piece I promise before we get into this movie uh, Yang Sing Ho is trained to Busan it has an official sequel coming out in summer 2020 and it's going to be called Peninsula so that's going to be getting a wide release in 2020 next year in the summertime so it's cool to see I wish they had called it train number 2 Busan I think that would have been a much better title, mm. but no, they're calling it Peninsula. What? What's that? Train to Busan Two is Penisville? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, it's Penisville. Peninsula. It's Peninsula. Sula. Peninsula. Yes. And Penisville, the daughter, and uh, her adventures in in uh, this weird infected land, post her dad being killed. It's going to take place a couple of years after she Train to Busan, and what she's six. up to. She's going to be nine. God. I know who they stole I don't that know who from. Be. I think I know who they stole <laughs> that idea from. You know, it's it's a zombie like movie that has a little girl who it's gonna fast forward mm-hmm. into its next movie in which that girl is a little bit older. I know who they took that from. Who <laughs> they Oh, I'm not okay. going to say. But you, you All know, right, wizard, you keep know, your secret. If you if you think I do about know. it, can you know? <laughs> And, you, and you'll laugh to yourself. Yeah, I do. You'll know why I'm not saying it. Mm-hmm. No, please. Already I'm cracking up. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know you're going to keep your secrets, Wizard, but it's fine. <laughs> so I will keep that to myself. All right. Yeah. So let's get into the fan pick movie of the evening, Resident Evil from 2002, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Ghoul, since this is technically your pick, uh, why don't you give a little synopsis, and we'll get into this thing. Resident Evil, otherwise known as Biohazard in Japan, was a horror franchise video game series uh, in the late 90s for the PlayStation 1 and Dreamcast and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, they decided to, to cash in on that and start making movies because... You know, it makes sense. It basically borrowed off of the Romero formula, and they put it in a video game with tank-like controls. And then they were like, well, hey, why keep it as a video game when we can tell it in a movie? Surprise, surprise, an entire franchise later with six other films. Boom, Resident Evil 2002. Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, you want a synopsis? I'm sorry. A uh, team of people go down into a into a bunker, essentially, of an of a underground network of tunnels and offices to stop a supercomputer from releasing a virus into the world or something to that effect. Yeah, I think, I think. so. We'll get into it. That's, yeah, something like yeah. Skynet, something like Cyberdyne, something of that Close nature. Uh, Mucky, what did you think about Resident Evil in 2002? Man, I fucking love this movie. Okay, I saw the first three... I saw the first three Resident Evil movies in theaters. Uh, um, I've got I got them all on TV. Yeah, I know. Really. I fucking love these. I fucking love these movies. They're fun. They're silly. Um, 
But yeah, I just really enjoyed the feel of this first movie. Um, it's one of those few horror movies that like actually gave me a sense of fear during parts of this movie, uh, just because of um, the idea of being trapped in a scenario where you are trapped and you cannot negotiate with the scenario because there's no one to negotiate with. You know, and it was just the right movie at the right time. It clicked with me, and I really, really like this movie. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Um, so, again, thank you, Jennifer, on Instagram for picking this movie for tonight. Uh, this has been my first rewatch of Resident Evil from 2002 in a long time. I haven't seen it since I think it came out in home video, and it is a product of its time. This is a very much 2002 movie. Everything down from the kind of cheesy CGI to the new metal soundtrack that it had, where you had to have fucking <laughs> slamming guitars the entire time, you know, during the entire thing, including Michelle Rodriguez, who for some reason just fucking always hates everybody. In all these fucking movies that she does, she always hates everybody. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just, like, it's in her contract that she has to hate everybody. Like, yeah, shut up, bitch. I don't care about you. Um, yeah. But <laughs> whether, I mean, whether it was uh, SWAT, Blue Crush, um, <laughs> Fast and the Furious, she just does not like anybody. <laughs> but um, I mean, I like Mila Jovovich. I thought she was good in the movie with Alice. Um, yeah, I mean, talking uh-huh. about Resident Evil as a film, though, I mean, you're talking about all the way in 1998 when George Romero, of all people, had a script for the movie that got rejected. So he had a script that was rejected. Alan P. McElroy, who wrote Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, Wrong Turn, among other movies, his script was rejected. Kevin Williamson wrote a script that was rejected. It took them to get to Paul W.S. Anderson to write a script that they felt was good enough to be made into a movie. And the one thing that I kept, when I watched this film, and we'll get into it, I was like, is this movie really rated R? Like, am I watching a rated R movie? Because it feels like I'm watching a PG-13 movie. Like, it feels like this is PG-13. It's rated R because uh, Mia Jovovich showed her bush. Is that why? Because, yeah, this movie was not a rated R movie. Like, this was a, a firmly planted, a planted PG-13 movie. Like, the violence Whoa. and the gore was non-existent, I think, in a lot of situations. I wanted more, I, and they didn't give it to me for a rated R movie. I think so. I agree. I, I do agree that there was that quick flash of what you see there. Um, yeah. But I also think what you got to realize is, is, you know, yes, this has a lot of that CGI blood, a lot of fakery, a lot of, a lot of violence. We're also talking about a movie that gets released post 9-11. Super highly mm-hmm. sensitive yeah. society at the moment. This is the kind of film that ends up getting hit with a rated R just because we don't really want enough people seeing it. You know, and it was coming in with a lot of heat. I mean, people love the Resident Evil franchise. You know, I mean, to to really talk about this movie and not bring up you know, the the couple of games that preceded it is silly. You know, Resident Evil was a huge hit in the the late nineties. You know, coming out for the PlayStation in ninety six. Um, I never played the original Resident Evil. I didn't have a PlayStation one until uh, Final Fantasy seven came out. Um, well, I got one. It just took me about another year or so to get it. My entry into the series was Resident Evil 2, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, which, I, which I adored. You know, it was a lot of fun. It, it kind of mm-hmm. upped what I knew about the first game by giving us a little bit more with the characters and whatnot. But I think for yeah. me, my 
deepest exploration into a Resident Evil game came with the Sega Dreamcast, which had an exclusive called Resident Evil Code Veronica. Um, oh, I remember that game. <laughs> this game, I remember getting it for the Dreamcast. I remember I was living in New Egypt at the time in our, uh, like we had like a bungalow type of house. And I remember like setting the entire atmosphere because I was going to get down and dirty into this game. Lights out. You know, big flat screen Sony Bio television, but it was a tube TV. So this thing was like a huge TV with this big ass. It was heavy as anything, man. I was so excited to be playing this. And there I am. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I smoked a big fat bowl or a bone or something, man. I was really, really, really <laughs> stoked. And like I into this world. I was completely entranced into playing the game. My character's making her way through all of these things, getting through it. I'm escaping shit. I'm managing all of my, my, my stuff right. And I felt like I was getting like, so like here we are three, four, five hours later. It's got to be like 2, 2.30 in the morning. I haven't died. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to beat this shit. Look at me surviving the survival horror game, right? And I remember specifically going down a ladder and entering a door and nearly shitting my pants because there was a liquor on the ceiling of the fucking room that just totally wiped me out all in one shot and I shit you guys not I never played the game again I felt like you know what my experience in that world I died and as such I was not going to try to play the game again and actually beat it I was like you know what my character died that's just the end of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel you there. Yeah, I've played Resident Evil too many times. Yeah, but yeah, but Ghoul, you bring up a good point because yeah, you said it had a lot of heat because yeah, we, this whole thing was falling on the trails of all of the fighting games, you know, Mortal Kombat, you know, all of the blood, you know, everyone was jumping all over the video game industry about you know the the ratings and how everything needed to be mature, you know. But Resident Evil, the first one, was a great fun game because it had those moments where. You know, it you would have shit jump out at you and scare the crap out of you. It was a great game to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it was, it was, you know, it was and, one of the first yeah. big action horror games to really make a dent. Yeah. Prior to it, like when I think of horror games, as far as video games went, most of them that I think about were text-based or like adventure-based games that had mm-hmm. you know horror elements, but, you know, it may be a jump scare here and there, but it wasn't you being fully immersed into it and that having the 3D effects of a system like the PlayStation and the Saturn and, you know, the Dreamcast and all of that stuff. That's what gave us that, you know, having the ability to go into a fully 3D realized world, even when you look at it now, it's all blocky textures and everything. But still, at that time, that was just, it was phenomenal. It was an entirely new realm for mm-hmm. us to, to enter as video game fans. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when we get into the movie here, it's just, I just enjoyed that we have this opening straight off the bat, you know, the cheesy sci-fi opening of, you know, being narrated to, explaining to you about, you know, what Raccoon City is and stuff like that. And it's just taking you into the, the field of video game and what the Umbrella Corporation is and, you know, how much of the world it owns because it, it, of, you know, all its conglomerates. It's like fucking Disney, you know? Um, and, <laughs> but, yeah, and it's just, I love or the Microsoft. Just straight. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but, 
but you know they take you straight in, <laughs> they they take you straight into the feel of what this movie is supposed to be, you know. Yeah, I'll give you that and much, yeah. monkey, because this movie moved mm-hmm. fast. Like the first like thirty some odd minutes of this movie moved fucking fast. Like they are just mm-hmm. lightning fast with everything that's going on. From the moment you get into it with the Umbrella Corporation, you're realizing what they do to the T virus being exposed, and you have the Red Queen, this facility security measurements shutting everything down, going, the T-Virus is out there. We're shutting everything down. We're going to fucking kill everybody in this fucking facility. Like, there's just no going back. You're all fucked mm-hmm. because the T-Virus is yeah. out, and them trying to escape in various different ways. But then cutting right to Mila Jovovich playing Alice in this movie, waking up in this lavish mansion. She loves to be naked in movies, and I appreciate it because I was uh, enjoying no, I it. Do I do, too. Like, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do, too. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm the odd movies. man out here. I uh, I've never found okay. <laughs> Mila Djokovic attractive. I mean, she's all right looking and dazed and confused, but that's just because she's got that iffy chick look with the braids and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. But yeah. everything else I've ever seen her in, I'm always like, yeah, she's got that like, I don't know, that weird European look and body style that I just don't like. Yeah. I yeah, guess, but but you, uh, yeah. I just really dig her face. No, I just really dig her face. I think she's really pretty in the face. But yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but But, cutting to to her waking up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Yeah, good. What about her soul? I know. know. (laughs) It's a soul, and she has it. But she wakes up in this mansion, having no idea like what's going on. You know, opening up the drawers and finding the whole guns that are locked up. Still having no idea what's going on. So So it's a great setting. Like it's a great quiet kind of setting where everything's just very still. The soundtrack is very muted. Mm. They have some great you know, scenes of the woods and her looking around. Mm. So when she's dressed and finally mm. ready to figure out what's going on, you have the fucking SWAT team like, mm. pouring in. And you have this other guy who's pouring in saying he's a cop and he's here to help her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Alright, so we're going right but, in. And but, 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 I love but, James but, Shade, the commando. Oh. He's great. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's he just sounds like a video game character the entire time. We gotta move well, now. He has, mm, we have to move. He, he, he go, has go, go. <laughs> I know, and it sounds that way. Yeah, we have yeah. to go. But get your but stuff. the opening scenes where they're setting up the stuff that's in the mansion. I'm really enjoying the time they're taking, establishing the yeah. this environment that you think is gonna be there for a while. You don't realize it's only going to be there for another five minutes. But immediately puts you <laughs> into the feel of a Resident Evil game where you're in yes. this weird scenario. You start, you start exploring around. You can't get into everything. You know, some stuff is locked, some stuff isn't. You know, but you're able to open it and see stuff. I was really enjoying the feel that they were just establishing straight off the bat. What I enjoy yeah, about it is, is it feels like it's taking place in the same world as the Resident Evil games without actually doing yes. the repeat yep. of the actual Resident Evil story, which does start to happen in the later sequels to this series. Mm-hmm. I completely yeah. agree with that. But it's what I love so much about this particular movie is that it throws you into this shit really fast. Like, you are running and gunning right away with the security team without Alice really knowing who she is, doesn't know really where she is and what's going on. You have this guy named Matt who says he's a cop and they can't find any information about him, but they're taking him. So you have Shade, the one, and his commandos taking them down into the hive 
to explore what happened because five hours ago, shit went bad. So we got to figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah, I dig it, Which, man. It's just, again, you know, shit went down. Stuff got locked up. And now they're going to go in and fuck everything up. <laughs> well, as far as this team has been told, too, you know, it's that the Red Queen didn't do went what homicidal. she was supposed to do. But that instead she went right. homicidal, which you know anybody, which which is funny because anybody that had played the games knows how Umbrella works, and we know oh, yeah. that these guys are just basically further parts of this experiment because they know what the Red Queen oh, yeah. did, they know why the Red Queen did it. They just want to see what actually happened down there because they no longer have access because she's gone into full shutdown mode. Yeah, and it was great when they get down past the mansion and they get to the fucking train with the umbrella uh, emblem on it because I was like, that's such a video game moment for me, <laughs> seeing this big train. <laughs> I was like, I've seen that in these games. I know where that's from. You know, so let's get down train, to this train. Train sequences yeah, are awesome, always. man, you know. Final Fantasy VII <laughs> had some of the best ones. There's been good ones oh. in Resident Evil. I love train sequences, man. You brought, you brought up the Final Fantasy VII train sequence. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mo- okay, we're not going to go there. Moving on. Okay, but yeah, again, we're going into here. That, like, everything's smooth. Like, everything is smooth sailing. No hiccups, no nothing. They're just, you know, working their way to the Red Queen's chamber, you know. And they're having no problems whatsoever. And me, personally, I'm like, Where, when is this shit going to happen? You know, the first time I saw this movie, I'm like, when is this shit going to happen? You know, I know there's supposed to be some shit down here. And I love how they well, wrote, not only you know, that, wrote yeah. this. Oh, go ahead, Keith. It, it was great. But what I wanted to say real quick is that on the train, the door opens up and they find a body that collapses onto themselves. And he's also a part of this thing. His character's name yeah. is Spence, played by yeah, James Lambert. I could not – I forgot that he was in this movie because the one thing I remember him from is the following that he did on Fox mm-hmm. with Kevin Bacon that we just talked about earlier where he played a serial killer named Joe that followed Edgar Allan Poe's writing a little bit too seriously. And I was like, holy shit, James Purefoy's in this movie? And he's got a bad American accent? All right, I'm cool. <laughs> that shit fell apart real fast. I honestly feel like he is channeling – Christopher Lambert from the first Mortal Kombat film. Okay? He's a little <laughs> at times. He's just kind of got this, like, weird, raspy thing going on. It's like, <laughs> yes, Alice, we were married and we loved each other. But not really. I don't love you. I'll see you later, baby. I miss you already. <laughs> You're property. You're Umbrella Corporation property. That's what the ring says. <laughs> umbrella Corporation <laughs> on the inside of the ring. I love that that little touch that they add. But yeah, he like, he loses that accent so much in this movie. <laughs> it's like he's supposed to be American, but you can tell that he's British, and it just comes out at certain points where I'm like, oh, he's trying so hard. Oh, poor James Boy. <laughs> he wants so much to be American. <laughs> but they get to the hive. Which is a, what is it? Two miles underneath Raccoon City? Is that what they say? Something yes, about they, it. Yeah, yeah. They they get to the high there, <laughs> and yeah. they get there, and you just see all these rooms full of water, floating with bodies on, in them and stuff like that. It's just I'm I'm digging it that they just you know they're setting things up. <laughs> and not only that, and, but they're also like yeah. lulling us into us thinking. Yes. 
what we're going to see here. You know, you played the game. You know Resident Evil is about zombies. You know Resident Evil is about yep. mutated creatures and dogs and liquors and stuff like that. But instead, what we get for our first set of kills and threat is one of the, at the time, just such a cool sequence, man. The laser grid sequence. It was just so much fun. My favorite sequence. I know maybe maybe yeah. it looks a little dated now, but you know what? I remember seeing this way back then and being like, this is the best part of this entire movie. It reminded me of Cube. Yes. That movie that came mm-hmm. out a couple yeah. years earlier where they're all trapped in that prison yeah. and they all have to go through the different oh, rooms. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was like, this is fucking yeah. so Cube-inspired, especially when that grid pops yeah. up and – you have Shade going, I can get through this. I got this. And then you have the fucking <laughs> diagonal fucking pattern pop up. And I'm like, no, he's not making it. It takes him like that yeah. one second to just realize, you know what? Oh, sh-. like that's all he needed. He needed like a, uh, yeah. a Samuel L. Jackson, like, well, ain't this a bitch, you know? Oh, motherfucker. Yeah. You know? and then, and <laughs> motherfucker. Like, yeah. And this, this and, is what I'm talking yeah. about was the th- about making me feel actually scared the first time I watched this was this scenario of being trapped in this specific area where, you know, you have to get through, but there's nothing to negotiate with, you know, and, you know, you, you just have to try and get through it. And yeah. And, but then after the grid pops up and stuff like that, the doors pop back open and pretty much the red queen's like, all right, who's next? (laughs) But what was great about that monkey is, to your point, and we talked about this, what I love about this movie is that the Red Queen is a little girl. And she pops uh-huh. up, and she's like, please don't disable me. It wouldn't do you any good to disable me. You're going to need me <laughs> later, so trust me, because if you do, you're all going to die in here. And it's just the fact that a little girl is saying that. Like, it's not a woman, it's not a man, it's a little girl saying, you're fucked if you turn me yeah, off. Which, so which don't gets, do it. Gets further... I mean, they give you a quick, you know, reasoning behind it is that it's patterned after the after the creator's daughter. Um, right. Gets yeah. a little more detailed in the you, next film. Um, you're all going but, to die yeah, down here. You're all going to die <laughs> down here. You know, the funny thing yeah, is, though, but, is that again. You know, I understand that these guys are here under orders. I understand that they're here knowing that this is their job. But, you know, you're telling me that none of these guys, like especially somebody like Kaplan, who seems like he's intelligent, he's hacking systems, he's bypassing this and doing that. You don't think, like, anybody at some point, like, turns around to the other guy and says, hey, you know, maybe instead of this thing going homicidal, maybe it shut and sealed everything off for a reason. Exactly. I always took the Red Queen as not evil. I took her as a security measure. Like, if this breaks yeah, out, I'm shutting everything down so it doesn't get into Raccoon City. It's contained in the hive. So it can't get out. That's what she did. That's what I'm here for. The only thing yeah. you needed to do next was self-destruct. Yeah. That's yeah, why I was, was yeah. she was a She was a safety protocol. Which is why I had trouble with the, the commandos going down in there saying, we're going to shut her down. This is the only way we have to. So it's, that's the Umbrella Corporation saying, you know what, shut right. it down because we don't care what happens next. We want to see what happens next. No, they, they want to see what happens next. That's it. They want it out. There you go. Yeah, they want to see what happens in a city where this thing is running rampant. That's the way I took it. So I'm glad you brought that up, Google. Because that's why I took well, it because they want the Red Queen to be stopped. 
they well the ghoul was bringing up the point though they want to see what happens because the thing is they they don't I took it as the Umbrella Corporation didn't want to release it into the city what they definitely wanted to do was once that was released you know once the T virus got released that was not intentional but since it was they now have a guinea pig a big ass guinea pig environment here to see what happens with the T virus and it's all contained in the hive. You know, none no. of it's getting up to the you, surface. You can't go that route with it, though. The, the problem with that is, is they already know how severe the T-virus is. All of this gets explained in the mm. film. They know how it yeah, moves. They know yep. that it goes from airborne to liquefied to bloodborne, like how fast it can actually go from, from thing to thing. So thereby, they know that with the Red Queen sealing off, they know that it's already been released. So why would they even want anybody to open it up? You're not opening it just to see what happened down there. You're opening it because the whole city is your hive, essentially. They're experimenting on the city as a whole. It starts in the hive, but it needs to go up top, and that's where they want it to be. And the one reason that I will agree with the goal on this is because, to me, um, not even trying to fast forward a little bit, but to me, Raccoon City it seemed like it was an experimental city that was set up by the Umbrella Corporation for this exact reason. Like, this wasn't just a metropolitan city. This wasn't like New York or Los Angeles or any other metropolitan city. This was specifically set up by Umbrella just to see what would happen if the T-Virus broke out into a city and what would happen. How fast would it work? How fast would people be turned into zombies? How fast would this city be destroyed into rubble? That's the way I took it as. This was just like a fake city for Umbrella. Like a test run. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. You know, can it be contained if it gets out? You know, I think that's the only thing that they didn't realize is that, you know, there is – I think they misjudged the speed at which everything would go down. Um, Mm -hmm. That is where they made their one mistake, but again, too, you know, what you find out later, (laughs) and again – I own all six of the movies, so and I'm sure Monkey does as well. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> so, so you know where they go with a lot of this stuff as far as, you yeah. know, sometimes some of the places aren't even real. You know, they're running simulations <laughs> of cities. There's an entire facility built where you go back to Raccoon City and it's not even really Raccoon City anymore. It's, it's, yeah, it gets confusing in some of the later stuff. Yeah, yes, it does. But, but, but yeah, I've always seen the first. To the Red Queen. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, but back to the Red Queen is like, you know, yeah, <laughs> she's just the whole, you know, you're all gonna die down here. I just love that line. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the little computer generated <laughs> image of her. But you know, they, they don't listen to her, and they sit there and set off their big ass e- EMP, and everything shuts down. And when everything shuts down, everything opens up. <laughs> and now you have our introduction to the zombies in this movie. And thank God they're fucking zombies in this movie. They're slow moving. They're not running. They are just shambling zombies. And I love the explanation in this movie of zombies about how the body is still alive even after death. Your hair grows, your fingernails grow. There's still a little spark in the brain that can last for months, 
And that's what Umbrella was trying to see what they could do with that and seeing if they could achieve reanimation. Mm. Like, it was a great fucking explanation. Mm. Like, I was like, this is perfect well, for this movie. Well, also, behind the scenes, um, the creators for the zombies, for anyone who was being a zombie, wrote, um, you know, a PDF, an instruction booklet, and it was called The Bible of the Undead. And it, it mm-hmm. in, in, these, in these instructions, it explained how the T-virus works in the body and how it goes to the kidneys and then works its way up through and then up into the brain and causes things to mess up in the brain there and then causes the virus to spread throughout the entire body, thus like you said. But then also they went around and they were um, thorough enough in how they exactly wanted the zombies to move. And they said, right. you know, the, the zombie is a thing of hunger. In these movies, you know, this right. is what they were trying to get through is um, and when you push on a zombie, they move like it's fluid water where one part yeah. may go away. But then the, the next part that's going to whip around is going to whip around toward you because it's still going for that hunger, you know, so it's it's the fluid savagery constantly moving. It's the primal instinct to feed. Like, that's their only primal instinct is just to feed. Like, they have no other memories. Mm. They might have mm. some, but they don't have total memory. <clears throat> and we see that. With, with, uh, yeah. We see that with Lisa, Matt's sister, who was infiltrating Umbrella. And we find out that she was working to get information on them. And when he sees her and she seems kind of normal, she's shambling towards him. And she does the zombie thing of, I have to eat. I have to feed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seven of nine from Star Trek. <laughs> yes, that's right. Seven and of Dra- nine from Star Trek, Jerry Ryan, and, and, um, and Dracula two thousand. But <laughs> yes, but we do find mm-hmm. out that Alice is regaining her memories, and she's discovering that she was actually trying to work with Lisa to get these uh, things about Umbrella out into the public, and she was trying to help her. And she's like, "I got all these security measures. I know all the codes. I'll help you. It comes at a price." I just want Umbrella to be exposed. Like that's the I know, whole. That's I know, my whole point. <laughs> I know a guy that knows a guy that you know. Maybe we can do a thing, you know, <laughs> and everybody will know about this. <laughs> yeah, and Matt's like, "What were you saying?" She's like, "Nothing. I don't know. Maybe I was talking about something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just remembering stuff. How you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Matt, Matt, Matt's still running around uh, handcuffed the entire time. You know, they still <laughs> won't un- uncuff him. Nope. <laughs> but you also have Michelle but, Rodriguez playing Rain in this movie when the zombies start coming out and she gets bit like numerous times and she's like, I'm so good. Oh, I'm God. I'm Michelle fucking Rodriguez, and, bitch. And I could outlast anything. Let him bite me. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm Rain, she, motherfucker. But, it's because we gotta have, yeah. But I'm saying, but we gotta have that zombie trope of, you know, that one person that's bitten, but they, they for some reason they, you know, it takes them for the entire movie to turn. <laughs> it's like you know, you, you gotta have that one person in every zombie movie. Ugh, the entire fucking movie. Like, I'm just uh, waiting for her to turn. Is, even though there are other characters that you know would be quote unquote more important to the overall story Michelle Rodriguez is the second build for this she was oh, yeah, riding high off of, off of Girl Fight and The Fast and the Furious 
And, you know, yes, everything was. was pointing towards her being a huge star, which, you know, again, also being of Hispanic origin mm-hmm. is always a, you know, is always a good thing. She's a female and she's Hispanic. It's something that they, they always look for um, in Hollywood. You know, sorry not to say it's, it's a stereotype thing, but it kind of is. You know, they, they always want people of ethnicities to, to be big. Um, so here they are pushing her. And again, unfortunately, though, this is one of those movies in which, you know, like you kind of said, King, she just sits there. Her purpose is to hate everybody. That's what she does. And, yeah. You know, we find this to be her her entire career is to just hate people. You know, I have not <laughs> yeah. seen anything in which, you know, she doesn't hiss at people. Like she's like she's like having an angry cat with you at all times, you know? Like sad bit me. It's it's it's, it's like ugh. I don't know. I used to think she was like hot too, but then like I, I, I she just got less hot as she got older, I guess. Well, she plays the same character in every movie. That's the problem I always have with her. Yeah. She's always like the angry yeah. Latina who's just pissed off all the time. Like she's never like, oh, I like today. Today's a good day. Like no, it's always like, fuck yeah. you guys, fuck you. I'm fucking bad. Well, and I'm gonna punch a zombie. Well, comes back. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, you know things go through. You know zombies start to happen. Uh, um, and then you know we we start to have um. The, the big ass chambers start to go very, very wrong, very, very quickly, you know. And I was just enjoying all of the cheat. Like, usually, I I love set builders, you know, of the things that they can build. But in this room where it's supposed to be the cafeteria, and it's just these giant chambers, and it's like, okay, the chambers look cool, but then all of the pipes that are leading up to it are just fucking duck, you know, ductwork. It's just I was like, come on, yeah. guys. Did, did, did the yeah. goal lay that for you? Did you hit the goal up about some HVAC shit for these things? It's, it just looks sloppy. <laughs> Listen, man. One, I do better work than that. Two, those weren't properly specced for the size equipment that they were hooking up to, okay? So let's be real here, man. I would have had that done right. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just like when Alice finds all the dogs... You know, that are coming out, they're all infected mm-hmm. and they're all zombified. And she just kicks all of them mm-hmm. in the face and shoots them. Like, it's a, you know, in a couple but bullets, that, I'm going to kill all these dogs. Yeah, but you know what, dude? That one kick, the jump off the wall, spin kick that she does, is Three what I training. specifically remember from the advertising for the film. You know, I remember yeah. that in the trailers. I remember that being like a huge thing. Um,. You know, it was one of the few things that they actually did show you that was in the film, and there's a reason why. Because when we see some of the other things in the in the film, as far as creature effects go, we realize they they need a little bit of work on the CGI front. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, true, a little bit of work. True, true. But I love that they actually brought in the dogs, just because. Oh man, that was my first fucking scare. The first time I played. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil was the fucking dog jumping through the fucking windows. Dude, those things were a nightmare. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tried it's to horrible. shoot them. They were small and they were fast. They were skinny. You know, like you're sitting there trying to target them. You know how many bullets you end up wasting trying to shoot those fucking things? It's like, come on, man. I'm literally, I'm trying to make it through this game with limited ammo because you're only giving me so many freaking bullets and only so many of these freaking plants that are supposed to heal me on top of it, you know? And no, now I gotta shoot this dog like eight times trying to kill it because I couldn't hit it once in its but, tiny head. But but for, but <laughs> true. But for the CGI that was used in this movie, I dug the CGI that they used on the dogs. I I really enjoyed it. Um, just because I felt like the CGI go, on the dog was limited, man. I think they used real dogs was. just kind of coated them with shit on the outside. <laughs> yeah. No, they did. And they had a problem during filming because they kept licking off the blood. <laughs> so <laughs> they kept licking yeah. off the fake blood and they couldn't yeah. use it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's what they were doing. We're using real dogs, but I'm talking about when you see the close up of their faces and stuff like that, and their faces were rotted away, right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. But but for like running through the halls and stuff like that, yeah, real dogs, uh, just covered in a piece of latex and then co- covered in caro syrup. You know the. Like again, the behind the scenes for this, the dogs were so fucking sweet. You know, as soon as the director yeah. yelled "cut," you know, the, then the uh, the dogs that were just gnawing on you would just start licking on you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. adorable. I still love me when they're zombies. I'm like, oh, they're adorable. <laughs> they just want to get. <laughs> you know, uh, the, yeah. <clears throat> I I love dogs, especially <laughs> movies. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> especially when she round kicked the one dog in the face. I'm like, that's fine. Because <laughs> yeah, they're zombified. It's not going to be a big deal. <clears throat> but they get to a point where they have to revitalize the Red Queen. They're like, we can't get out of here unless we bring back the Red Queen and figure out a way out of here. And against all odds, where she's like, fuck that bitch. It's like, okay, Rain, shut up for a second. We know you're bit. <laughs> we know you're going to turn. <laughs> Let us do our job. Because we're getting out of here. Because apparently you just told us we don't have an hour to get out of here before everything shuts down and we're stuck. So let us do our job. Oh yeah, I forgot there, there's a there's a timer. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> which which again plays towards the video game aspect of it and gives oh, yeah. the yep. proverbial ticking clock, you know, which of course gets ignored, you know, throughout large portions of the film and only comes up when you need to be reminded of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's Alice who's having the, the reminders of her memory that there's actually a, an antivirus to the T virus. Those little green twists in that, you know, jar, there is an antivirus that could turn you back into human. So we need to get there. We need to figure this out. I know where it is. I know the lab. We have to go in there and grab the antivirus. Because Rain's bleeding out and she's pissed off. We don't want to have her pissed off anymore. We want to have her be a little happy. Yeah. But she's bleeding. But you know, we got to go to a room that's full of water. She's bleeding out into the water. So now, wouldn't the water be infected? So now, anyone that's in the water would be infected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Quick answer. <laughs> you know. But we're not. We don't care about that. Because we get there and we realize that the antivirus is gone. It's Yep. Not here anymore. We don't know where it is. And now Spence is having his moment of, I remember everything. I know what's going on right oh. now. <laughs> having my moment of quick flashes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, them rolling around in the hay and shit like that. You know, because Fucking find out he's movie. <laughs> <laughs> because, Getting it in. Find out he, 
find out he's the one that actually stole the shit out of the lab, threw out the T-virus, released it into the thing. Brandon, you know, knocked the coffee onto the guy that was just waiting for the elevator. He's just a dick <laughs> all around. You know? <laughs> now, you know what Poor I guy. Just trying to go to work. Like, I don't mm-hmm. get how... Like, my problem is this. I wish that at some point they at least gave you the fact that Spence didn't know that it was going to get this bad. Like, as if he didn't Mm -hmm. know the extent of what the virus could do. It makes it really horrible that he knew what this was going to do and how bad it was, and yet still decided to infect all of these people by throwing it out there (laughs) as a distraction. (laughs) It really makes him a very despicable character. Well, despicable, but like kind of misunderstandable. Especially when he's like, come on, Alice, come with me. Like, I got this shit. Let's go. Let's leave. He's like, I'm not leaving with you. He's like, fine, whatever, bitch. Like, I'm getting out of here. That's <laughs> so. the thing. He could have just gotten out with all of the stuff. There was nothing stopping yes, him. It's not, like he, it's not like he had to drop it for any purpose other than like, hey, I'm going to drop this and reveal to the world what's actually going on. But if you knew how like terrible this thing was, why would you do that to all these people? But did we find out why but, he was on that train? Like why he woke up the way that he did? Because I don't remember yeah, that he did that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was helping Alex. Yeah. Without her. Okay. Yeah. He was listening well, in when she was talking to Matt's sister about getting right. the virus and stuff. So as such, he decided what he would do is he would go in, he would get it and bring it out and therefore help expose it. Hence why he left the note for her yeah. of, yeah. you know, all your dreams are coming yeah. true. No, 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 right. no, 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 wait, 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 no. But no, but he was doing it on a twisted way because he was taking it out to sell it to to the mm-hmm. black market. He 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 wasn't taking it to help Alice. He was like you know, and expose the public. He was taking it. He heard her plan and was like, okay, well I'm going to take this and expose it. But as far as why he ended up where he was, King, is because when the protocols went down, anyone that wasn't in lockdown in the rooms was also knocked out by the gas first, just like Alice okay. was knocked out in the shower, and then he right. made it to the train, and that's when the gas hit him. Okay, so that's why he collapses on the train. Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, but him leaving and going, well, I got the case. I'm leaving. So see you guys later. Nothing could possibly bad happen to me now. So see you fuckers <laughs> later. <laughs> you know. But we forgot that there's a liquor out there that escaped from its cage, yeah. and it's out there. Well, One of the well, best good ones from Resident Evil 2 when I played that game. Yeah. I love the fucking liquor. That's because <laughs> the red has been a naughty girl. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a very bad girl. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit! Yeah. He just got killed by that liquor." Like they don't show it because it's a PG-13 movie that's trying to be yeah. VR. Ah, it just aggravated ah. me so fucking much. Why do they Which, cut away so much? I think the other reason, though, is is because when you see what this thing looks like. You really kind of want to go the Jaws route and not show it all that much. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, less is more. But at the same time, I wanted to see a little bit more gore. 
Like they cut away yeah, from the liquor killing him, and I'm like, all right, that's fine. Uh, I like to go with well, that. Fuck, Less is more. I'm, well, to, even but, at the yeah. very beginning, the whole elevator scene, they cut us off of her head getting cut off. You know, they couldn't even give yes, us that. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like I get it because Paul W. Paul W. S. Anderson said he wanted to make this an R-rated movie because the video games are so violent and so gory, but he didn't give it. He didn't deliver. I get it because you have Bush at the end with with Alice, but really that could be the only reason this movie is rated R. Like I feel That's I was like, where is there a director? Like, am I missing a movie? Easily could have been edited so that you didn't see it, and then you just get a PG exactly. Yep. They did it in Fifth Element, right. where they cover everything up. Well, the funny thing, too, is, right. is even though, you know, again, even though these games were quote-unquote violent and gory and all this and that, you know, we all still know who was playing these video games, which was mostly kids that were, you know, of a lesser age than who should have been playing them. True. That's <laughs> true. Oh, completely agree. But with, but, with Spence yeah, dead... They they have the Red Queen still playing with them, saying, you know what, you want to get out of this room? I'll give you the code, but you have to kill Rain because she's infected and we it. can't take a chance. <laughs> we have it. to I kill her. It. And yeah, somebody fucking yeah. kill her. I'll take the axe and kill her myself. I'll go in the yeah, movie. Yeah, would have been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easy. One deal. She would have been dead. Yep. She would have been dead real fast. Especially when she's trying to play Pocahontas right there with you and stuff like that and putting her head down and going, come on, do it, Alice, do it. You know, and meanwhile, no the Red problem. Queen's on the TV. To, on the TV, the Red Queen's going, kill her, kill her, kill her. You know. <laughs> do it now. Do it now. I'm like, no problem. We already did it. Why are you still yelling at us? She's dead. Her head's floating in the water. What's, give us the code. But, no, you have to have Alice play the hero and go, no, fuck you, Red Queen, and smashing the TV so they can get out of that room. Yeah. Because Kaplan's on the other side, who disabled the Red Queen. Oh, thank God, Kaplan, you're back. Because yeah. you're not going to turn yeah. into a zombie at any point. No. Cause now, cause especially because Alice promised that everybody's getting out. She made the Doctor Who yeah. promise that everybody's getting out. <laughs> and we all know where that Everybody's goes. leaving. <laughs> yeah, everybody's <laughs> dying. <clears throat> yeah. And, of course, they, yeah, they head it, back to the train where Spence had the case of the antivirus. And, of course, he comes back to life. She has no problem killing him. No problem. Yeah. Just, you know, axe to the head. He's dead. Not coming back. Now we have to get on this train and speed through because we have to get back well, to the base. Also kind of, we have, like, eight minutes to go. Ditched them, though. You know what I mean? So it's not like she – of course she had no problem killing him. He kind of douched out on yeah. all of them. And locked the door behind yeah. him. Remember, he shot the mechanism yeah. so that they couldn't open the door. <laughs> he did the yeah. smart move. I would have done the same yeah. thing. Like, see you guys. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Goddamn, it's the liquor who is now a fucking hunter now because he's mutated. <laughs> because he had DNA yeah. injected Whoa. into his body because he ate the expense. So now he's even bigger yeah. now. Crazy. <laughs> okay. That's new. He's, he's evolving. Because he has infected other DNA into his system. <laughs> Good luck, y'all. Once it's tasted blood, it'll want more. <laughs> Do you want some science injected into your science fiction horror movie? Well, we've put some DNA into the liquor, and it's going to do something else soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just I love this but, train sequence again because, like the goal had said, train sequences fucking rule in movies. And this sequence is great. <laughs> They're speeding away, and of course you have the liquor on top of the train, tearing holes into the train, cutting it to Matt into his arm, you know, just trying to rip this train apart. And a little Kaplan in the the driver's seat, and he's like, "What's going on out there? Oh my god!" See <laughs> you, Kaplan. Gank. Poor, poor Kaplan. <laughs> the poor guy just got a freaking antidote. He's looking better, you know. Rain, you know, is done because there's just there's, there's oh, no yeah. help in her. You know, but Kaplan was actually looking like he might recover. He's not so worse for, for, for the party. And no, instead <laughs> the fucking side of the train gets ripped open and there goes Kaplan. Yeah, and then you have the liquor trying to bring its way in. You have Rain who got the antivirus injected into her. And she's like, here, here's my gun. If I turn, I don't want to be one of them. You just kill me. So you have Alice waiting to fucking do it. Like, I'm going to be like Peter in fucking Dawn of the Dead. If you come back, I'm killing you. And she's like, no, I'm not dead yet. Give me that fucking gun. Fuck you, dude. You're not getting the gun. Like, well, <laughs> well, what's funny, yeah, seriously. Well, what's really funny is, like, I know this movie came before, but it reminded me of the scene in Kung Pao when he's running back and forth between all of his friends who are dying. And the old man's like, I wasn't, why did you leave me? I just went, I didn't die. <laughs> Such a great movie. But the fact that Rain's like, yeah, I'll take that gun now. No, you won't, bitch. You don't just sit there, and I'll keep the gun, because who knows if you're going to turn or not. And she does in the worst fucking way. This one part of the movie uh, that I hate. When she does the whole <laughs> neck crack thing, where she's like, crack, crack, I'm back. I'm a zombie now. Ah, shut up. Shut up. Like, just somebody kill her. Like, just take her out of this fucking movie. <laughs> like, I was so Please, mad. Tell us how you really feel, King. When she did that whole neck crack thing, like, I'm back, what's up? Zombie now. I'm like, no, take her out. Shoot her in the head so we can get out of this fucking sequence. And then Alice has to be like, oh, my God, you killed her. Oh, no. But it's no, you're fine, Alice. Get over it. No. Her death was great, though, because you got Alice yelling to hit the button, hit the button, and instead you get a bullet in Rain's head that makes her fall back and hits the button, you know? Very much like a little bit of an homage to the alien scene. You know, it's just, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. fun stuff, man. I like it. I like it enough. But it was great because you have Matt battling the fucking liquor, and she's like, hit the button. He's like, I'm busy. Can you give me a second? <laughs> like, I'm battling this fucking creature right now, and you're telling me to hit the button? Oh, one sec, Alice. Give me a second to fucking overcome this beast that's tearing into my flesh. One second. When they shoot her and she hits the button, and she gets that pull into the wicker's tongue. It was a great effect. 2002, I forgive you for the bad CGI effects. But it was great to see the wicker fucking catch fire. Underneath the doors of the train. Like my dear cousin Numpty, just put up his flame. <laughs> it's like, okay, Matt, we're good. You're good. I'm good. We survived. Yeah. We're the only survivors. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. Fucking SWAT team, bitch. Okay, we're coming yeah. in. <laughs> He's infected. Uh, no. Uh, Nemesis well, program. Crazy. 
they give you that little bit of a hint because, like, you know, as it is, you saw him get scratched. So scratches look pretty damn bad, but you're like, okay, he survived. Oh, yeah. But as soon as they get out of the train, he starts to feel it because it's aching, you know, and you kind of look at it. It starts to yeah. pulsate mm-hmm. a little bit. And those of us who know what's going to happen are like, oh, oh yeah. Boy, yeah. <laughs> Especially when they take him on that stretcher and they're like, bring him into the Nemesis program. Like, oh, Nemesis, he's coming. Yeah, when they, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as soon as he was strapped down and you start to see all those little feelers sticking out of the cuts and shit like that, and they said Nemesis program, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I remember playing Resident Evil 3 Nemesis like a little bit again. I've never, you know, it's funny. I've tried almost every single one of the Resident Evil games, but I don't think I've ever actually beaten any of them. Like, I play them for a little bit, and then I move on to something else. Um, but yeah, I, I, always, beat the I, first always enjoyed the, <laughs> I always enjoyed the look of Nemesis. I thought it was a cool concept having him basically stalking you like a la Jason Voorhees throughout the entire oh, yeah. game, so you're always waiting for him to fucking, you know, show up somewhere to, to, to wreck your day, mm-hmm. and it's really about surviving yeah, but, to the end to <laughs> finally fight him. Yeah, yeah like, like Pyramid Head, Head in Silent Hill. But, um, yeah, um, <laughs> but then they sit there and grab Alice, they take her away, you know, and then we get to see her strapped to a table. Oh, yep. With just nothing but a paper sheet on the front and a paper sheet on the back. <laughs> that's it. And that's where you get your rated R moment with, you know, her on that table. Mm. You know, taking all the needles out of her head and out of her arms. And everything. I felt that. I was like, oh, that got to be painful. Yeah. Taking them out of your head. And, like, yeah. yeah. and I, I loved it because she went into straight up Lilu Dallas acting right here of just all of the shuddering that she was doing while – She's pulling it all out, you know, and falling to the ground and shaking all over the place, you know. Again, just great body control with her acting. And again, you know, like you put yourself in that situation. Like you woke up on a fucking table and there's nobody around and there's nobody answering your calls for help because everything's gone to shit because they reopened the hive because they wanted to see what's <laughs> happening down there. Probably not a good idea, but they did <laughs> because they're scientists. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and she walks out to a very familiar scene, you know, one of which we've seen in the games in which the city is just shot, the shit lit on fire, there's a stars. If you look at the hood of the police car, it says stars on oh, it, yeah, yep. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, you know, is, is, is a big thing. That's the police force in the video games. And uh, she grabs a mm. shotgun, and you, and you know shit's going to go down in the next movie. Yeah. If there's a next movie. Yeah. But, but obviously... She does of that pop there. of that shotgun because she knows what's happening. And when they do that pull away where you actually see the fucking destruction of the city, it was a great shot. So you get to see all oh, the high yeah. rises that are full of fucking broken windows and blood leaking out of them. Like it was a great pull away shot that they do where you could see her being just tiny. The only thing I wish is that they had some zombies crawling around in that sequence. Like it, mm-hmm. just, it was too empty for yeah. me. Like I wish they had something well, I, more. Well, again, though, you don't know if maybe they moved on. That's the thing, like the ghoul had said earlier in the episode, was how quickly the thing had spread. So maybe it started here and went out, and now, you know, they are ha- it, the virus is now moving out, you know, out into it's the world. It's a possibility. And, Richard and Gore this is not what's knowing the sequel yet. 
we know that True. you know this this might have happened. But now that we know what happened to the sequel, there's a wall built around Raccoon City, and everything's isolated within anyway at this point. And I did have to give a nod to George A. Romero because there is a Day of the Dead nod when she walks past one of the police cars and the newspaper has the dead walk from the Raccoon City Times. And that's from Day of the oh. Dead from 1985. Oh, the news okay. article that, that's in the opening of that sequence says the dead walk. And I was like, that's a great nod to George A. Romero because he's responsible for this whole fucking video game series. If it wasn't for George A. Romero, there would be no Resident Evil. And that I wholeheartedly agree with because, you know, I remember playing Resident Evil for the first time and in my head thinking to myself, wow, this is just like, you know, playing Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, something that would get completely fully realized in a game a few years later called Dead Rising, which literally puts you in a shopping mall with just a horde of zombies all over the place and you can just pick and choose whatever weapons you want and combine things and take pictures of them if you want. It's yep. kind of interesting. It's a complete dawn of the dead. Get, get those panty shots with that camera. They're extra points. <laughs> yeah. Sexy points. I played it too. <laughs> yep. It was a, a dawn of the dead video game set in the Dead Rising universe with Frank West, and I loved it. I played it so many times. Um, but George A. Romero actually directed the video game commercial for Japan for Resident Evil Biohazard the first game that came out for Resident Evil in Japan. He directed that commercial, which is on YouTube if you want to find it. But unfortunately, his script was rejected. But he wanted to have Jill Valentine play the protagonist for his movie if he got the chance to make Resident Evil back in 1998, which is what he really wanted to do, but got rejected. So again, I think they were smart in doing what they did by giving us a protagonist that is original and unique to the films. You know, Alice never comes up in the video games. She's never a character in the video games. But instead, you have her interacting with characters from the video games in later movies, um, starting with the next one. You know, so and from there, it just, yeah. it just keeps growing. And the, the series, again, like I said, it, it has moments where it's great. It has moments where it's really bad. Like, when I say really yeah. bad, I mean <laughs> it goes really bad. Um, yeah. The third movie, I felt, like, really decided to go at a totally different angle, which just made no sense. It was like Mad Max met Romero film, which was um, weird. Um, yeah, Extinction. I, uh, was what yeah. it was called. Yes. It was and I was going to say, because you guys have seen these movies. I've only seen the first two. Does Leon S. Kennedy show up in any of these movies? Like the protagonist yes, of the video games? Yes, he mm-hmm. does. Joe Valentine shows up. Leon shows up. <laughs> Carlos Oliveira shows yeah. up. There's wow. all kinds Wesker? of characters from the games that show up. Well, oh, yeah, they're in there. Yep. Wow. Okay. I've only seen the first two, so i got to explore the rest of them. There's, what, five, I think, total? It's six. So let's just say yeah, six. somewhere within all of that, you're going to be privy to some plane crash sequences that just really go, (laughs) they go somewhere else, man. Like, yeah, this is some weird shit that goes on in the series. Yeah. Like I said, I've only seen the first two. I saw the first two in theaters and uh, I never went back to the rest of them. I was like, two is enough, right? Mm. Two is good. (laughs) Apparently there, there's more that I have not checked out yet. Mm. But uh, so yeah, guys, that's Resident Evil. Uh, thank you so much, Jennifer, on Instagram for the pick for tonight. Uh, next you. week, there, there are uh, five. Hope, 
five total. My bad. Okay, five. Five total. So oh, hopefully no, we'll have the doc back six. Six total. Uh, I was right the first There's time. Six. Okay. I, have to, I have to start. Stop doubting myself. There are six All right, stop, stop <laughs> Just go with it. Stop burning up. Go with stop it. Stop burning up the clock, Duel. We got we got to leave time for your plug. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, hopefully the doc will be back with us. He does have a pick. It's late phases from 2014, directed by Adrian Garcia Bogliano. Uh, Ethan Embry's in it. It's a werewolf movie. We'll check it out next week. So, Ghoul, hit us with that plug as we close out tonight. Hey, everybody. The holidays are in, like, two weeks. And by holidays, I mean, like, Christmas. You know, because, I don't know, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all that stuff. I don't know if it's happened, if it's happening, if it's going to happen. Whatever. Life day. Just go to Bonfire Beat Designs <laughs> on Etsy. It's all one word. Bonfire Beat Designs. And put in an order for something. Buy something for your significant other because you want sex for Christmas, and so do I. The more you buy, the more sex I get. <laughs> so let's do this, people. Bonfire Beat Designs on Etsy. All one word. And the only thing that I'm going to say that I'm looking forward to next week, because you know what? Unfortunately, even with my movie pass, I've had too much shit going on. I have not been to a damn movie in like two whole weeks, man. Like, what? Crazy. I've, I've not gone to the theater for two weeks. But Fix next... Thursday, man, I am going to be at Star Wars. Whoop, whoop. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Come in. Do, 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 do. I'm doing my funny dance. So I am looking forward to that. I don't know about all of you guys, but you know, I know I am. So hopefully we'll see something maybe of a nod to the Mandalorian somewhere in there. That would be kind of cool too, but I doubt it. Maybe Yoda. Maybe Baby Yoda comes back. Maybe Baby Yoda is Snoke. Wouldn't that be some shit? (laughs) Oh, Mm. I don't know who that is, but cool. (laughs) Because I'm not a Star Wars fan. (laughs) I mean, I'm hoping I I can make it out to the theaters this weekend because Black Christmas opens up this Friday. It's gonna be good. I still gotta get to see Queen and Slim, man. I just have not had the time to do it. Between work and yeah, uh, family issues, I just have not been able to do it. But I'm hoping this weekend, I, if the money's right, and I can go see Black Christmas, it's yeah, the a theater movie, uh, it's opening up. Uh, it's, it's, it's tight, it's tight. But hopefully I can get out to the theater because I miss it, and I want to go back and see uh, Black Christmas, and hopefully I can report back on what that movie's like next week. Uh, but Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off for tonight? All right, thanks for listening, guys, and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Close your tits, monkey. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you back here next week for the Doc's Pick of Late Phases from 2014. Thank you so much for listening. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Talking Terror. We'll see you back at the ranch next week. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared.